0: Sometimes I can hardly wait for Sunday mornings for the time to speak, and sometimes I kind of wish I'd have selected another topic on Saturday night. This is the latter, not the former. I wish I had a good reason for that, but I don't, except these verses are the kind of verses that seem so simple and so straightforward, and yet they seem to haunt me. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. What is faith? How does it work? What difference does faith make in our lives day by day? moment by moment. There are many straightforward answers in Scripture. Unfortunately, there are just that, many straightforward answers in Scripture telling us about what faith is. Unfortunately, no one of them is sufficient unto itself. Even in the original language where we derive the English translation of the word faith, when we read pistis, We do not know exactly what that means. The closest translation probably in the English language is trust. Trust in God. To have faith is to trust in God. But oh, it's so much more, isn't it? It begins as trust in God. It begins very simple. It begins so simple, like many things in our life, where we have trust that seems so straightforward. For instance, I went back to my office this last week, and last week was my first experience of the week before school starts at CCA. You know, I intended to be very involved in CCA, but I'm not sure I intended to be that involved. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on. And in the midst of all kinds of things going on that are visible, there are always those things that are invisible that are also going on in school. There are issues to be solved. There are trials to be faced. There are families to be touched. There are decisions to be made. And it goes on and on. Right in the middle of it, well, my mind was entirely on so many important things, things of faith. What happened? I go to my office, and there's a very formal invitation taped on my door. It was in Mark's lot, on notebook paper taped on my door. You were invited to a tacky prom. Some of them are going to ANM. You see, they practice for it regularly. <laughs> and not only that, but I had a date from a charming young lady who is asking me to go to the prom with her. Thank you, Jillian, for making my week feel better. And then I went to the tacky prom, dressed as tacky as I thought appropriate. (laughs) And realized, boy, there was a long way and a lot of water between sweet Jillian and this old guy. (laughs) And then I watched them start dancing and I thought, wow, has dancing changed? (laughs) And I need to be in a lot better shape if I'm going to do that. And then to make matters worse, J.D. gets out there and starts dancing. And I thought, oh, my, I need to go home. You know, I need to go home fast. Because I don't have this much faith that I can survive this kind of event. But it was a great distraction in the middle of a week that sometimes seemed a little bit of a struggle. For there are things going on in our midst that require great faith. So this passage seems particularly appropriate and I have a determined goal to be out of here before I've preached for 45 minutes again. I can't get used to preaching 45 minutes because some of you will get used to listening to that and others won't, and that will be a problem. So today I said, okay, Doug, we're not going to tell them everything there is to tell them about faith, so just stick to one part of the topic, okay? So I made my notes, but I don't particularly like them right now. (laughs) But there they are anyway. Trust in God. Believe. Faith is about believing the doctrines about God and what God wants us to do, both in the Old Testament and into all the way into the New Testament when the meaning of trusting in God gets refined by the inclusion of Jesus Christ as the object of our faith. Faith still is about trusting God and following God. In fact, the scriptures say clearly today that Men of old were approved because of their faith in God. And we find clearly in the New Testament that we are approved as followers of Christ, not because of our own righteousness, but because of Jesus' work upon the cross and our willingness to trust that what Jesus taught is the way that leads to life. And therein comes the rub for many, many sermons. Because we do trust in Jesus, but we always seem to be trusting partially We always seem to be struggling with ourselves. We always seem to be trying to make life smoother here on earth. And our prayers seem to be dominated so often by that which is material. That which is that we can touch. Not those things that are unseen. But rather those things that can't be seen. Faith is an assurance of things hoped for. You know, when I was young, wow, you know how it feels to pray and be assured that it's going to happen? You know how it feels to pray uh, boldly and usually very selfishly for something you really don't need, but you really want it, and you're really asking God for it, and you have such assurance that God is going to grant you that very important but not really so important thing in your life. And then thankfully we get older, and our prayers begin to take on some different kinds of shape, and we begin to pray for things that God really hopes for us and for others rather than those things that seem to dominate so much of our prayer times. Just this past week I was visiting with someone who said they had the desire, a, a God-given desire to see their their kids in, in school. To see them involved in, in CCA but the money was just not there. And they shared how they had prayed for that and, and thought about it. And this person was already living a very a simple life but they just needed a few more a few more dollars to be able to make that happen. And then they came to that point where they even asked me, they even asked the question about, could we, is there any help here? I was told, I was almost pushed into your office. I'm very embarrassed to be here, but somebody said sometimes y'all are able to help families. And I was happy to say, yes, we do help families in the church that we can't help, that that desperately need help, that help that makes a difference in their children's lives so that they can be enrolled in a Christian school now we don't have unlimited money we don't have nearly as much money as I would like but I have faith though I cannot see those kind of scholarship funds now that I may be able to see more of them in the future because you see I believe that there is something going on unique at that school that is a part of this church I don't know how else to understand it anyway and I know I'm still trying to understand it and it's kind of kind of I don't I want to say cute but that's not the right word it's not quaint it's I get asked almost daily or every other day are you okay and I'm kind of wondering am I not looking right I mean am I feeling bad and maybe it's because some of the people around me most at this point in my time here are aware of many things that are going on behind the scenes and they're worried that I'm not okay well let's be clear I'm okay are there issues yes do I understand them all no but I will and already some of the issues are coming crystal clear to me that are getting ready for decisions to be made. Will everybody be happy with those decisions? Certainly, after all, God that I are bringing them straight from the throne, the directions we should go. How could they not be happy? I can't imagine such a thing. But the reality is that it might be possible. Someone is hearing a different word. We'll have to get that straight. It might also be possible what I'm asking them to do would be causing some people to walk out on waters that are way over their head. That will cause them to take risks or chances or different directions in their lives. That will cause them to have to live like a person whose homeland is not here but is in heaven. It will cause them to make decisions that pushes them financially, emotionally, time wise out of their comfort zones and right into the middle of why this church was planted in this place along with this school some 12 years or so ago now I'm not claiming to understand all that and I wish I could go back in time I really do I want to go back in time to when the people were sitting around down there on Pearl Street around those tables saying you know we ought to move to North Carrollton I believe God is calling us to move I'm sure it was said in those terms Uh, I'm sure Paul Morrell was one of those saying it. I'm sure that, you know, Richard Dunnigan was saying it. I'm sure people were ready to move northward. And so you did, first the school and then the church. And here you are. Faith is being seen. But I believe also when you moved out here, you figured by now you'd have a lot less debt. I hope because you wouldn't want me to have to raise all that money, I'm sure. And that hasn't exactly happened. In fact, when we moved out here, you probably thought that the school would be much larger than it is now. You thought that the church attendance and the church membership would be much larger than it is now, but that's not happened. Yes, I've left the script. But after all, I'm here because I'm old enough not to really care about the script. truth is that this is the time and this is the place where our faith is going to be tested. You thought you were tested in the year 2000. You thought where you were tested in about 2003 or four or five. whenever it was at the church, got out here too. And some didn't come. You thought you were tested then too. But really you have been tested in the fire just lately. I get that. I know some of you are weary from plodding through it all. But I have good news for you. You're not through plotting. (laughs) God is not done with us. The goals that God uh, intended to accomplish through the movement of this congregation to this place have not been reached and have not been accomplished. And God always intends to bring about the desire of God's heart in his world. Now, I'm not professing to see some magic in the future that we share together but I do know that I am convinced of things that are not currently seen but are in the heart and mind of God for this congregation it's important for me to be convinced I want to go back to my call story I've already told it to you before but let me tell you again just a little bit in case you weren't here that time that I shared it I didn't want to go into the ministry because I was assured if I went to the ministry I was going to have to move from lovely farmersville such a pretty pretty little town of 2000 with all its potholes and aging homes and yet wonderful people a place that was home for me and I knew just enough about methodism to be dangerous I knew that preachers came and go and some of them stayed too long and I didn't want to be one of those even though God was whispering into my head, you know, you, you're going to have to do this thing. I kept saying, no, no, not really, not really. You gave me free will, and I'd be a bad, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea, God. I, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to leave Farmersville, and I won't drag my kids all over North Texas because there's no telling where the bishop will send me, and you know how bishops are. You know them better than I do. I, I don't, and I don't want you to repeat that outside here. Every now and then I forget to say that. I don't want to mess that up. I'll tell the bishop whatever the bishop needs to know. But the reality is there are things in life that you are called to do and you have to claim assurance when you don't feel it. And finally that time came in my life when I was convinced that if I wanted to be happy, that if I wanted to be anyway faithful, that if I wanted to call myself Christian, I was going to have to Enter into the ordained ministry, which meant traveling. And when it got to that point, I got really particular in my prayer. I said, now, God, that little woman of mine is not going to like this either. She is not going to like the salary. She's not going to like where we're going. She's not going to like changing schools. And besides that, there's going to be kids someday, you know, Lord. And, uh, well, they're not going to like it either. They're going to be mad when we have to leave. And they're going to be fussing about being a preacher's kid. And, you know, I don't want them to feel put upon and then god started whispering that's my job right that's my job have an assurance that the things you hope for can actually happen believe in me i will take care of your children believe in me i will even take care of that little brown-eyed woman that you married she's not as hard-headed as she looks if you're going to be an expatriate if you're going to live in my kingdom then while you're down there you need to trust me and you need to have faith because if the people who are proclaiming my word can't believe how will anyone else believe? and so I said okay here we go Lord You know, i got to quit my job. You know, i got to tell my daddy. My daddy won't like that. My daddy's had the same job for 30-something years. He's not going to like me quitting right now and saying I'm going back to school. Daddy didn't say anything. He just looked at me. And I said, I answered my mama's questions about, are you sure? I said, yes. She said, I'm not surprised. And I thought, well, I am. (laughs) I'm surprised he asked, and I'm surprised I said, yes. My daddy had one question you sure you're going to be able to make it with you quitting work? (laughs) My daddy loved the things he could see. And he had been through rough years in his life. He knew some days can really be tough on this earth. He knew and he believed that a good, steady job was to be prized. And I did too. But I finally had found enough faith to believe that God could care for the needs of my family even if I was going to be a United Methodist preacher. And when I said yes, Daddy said, nodded his head and said, okay. And we never looked back because I was convinced. I was so convinced that whenever some professor questioned my sensibilities and I questioned his, faith at least, and we stood eyeball to eyeball, he said, that's just not reasonable and I said you're right you are not reasonable (laughs) because what I believe is based on faith not sight and he said I believe that you're just being nonsensical and I said I know and that's why I'm leaving this place because I'm going to a place where they're going to teach me the scriptures in a way that I can relate to because I believe in the scriptures first second and third Philosophy follows Scripture, not the other way around. And I believe that where I'm going, God will take care of me. He said, well, you'll never get back in. A district supervisor told me. I said, yes, I will. He said, no, you won't. I said, well, we'll just have to see. Because God has called me, and he's called me here, and I'll be coming back, and you'll have to turn me down. And they almost did, but they didn't. You can blame them for that. Now, 35 years later, I'm here We've got a task to do. I ought to get back to my notes at some place. I really worked hard on this part. Let's talk about it for a moment. (laughs) An expatriate is someone who has been relocated from their homeland because of work or a sense of adventure or or seeking for a new and better life or perhaps because they were pushed out of the country for fear of their life but when they come into a new place it's a different world for them and you know one of the interesting things you can do in this part of the world and and you have the great opportunity this congregation is to talk to people who have been relocated from their homeland people who have found asylum who have become expatriates they may be a citizen of this country but really most of their life has been spent somewhere else the things and the customs and the schools and the governments and everything else that are familiar to them are all about somewhere else and yet here they are finding themselves in this country trying to get along trying to fit in trying to uh, be in this new adventure in a way that is meaningful for their families And that is exactly what we're doing as Christians. If we truly, truly are walking after Christ. Because our citizenship is not here. Y'all have got it right. There's no American flag on this stage. And don't get me wrong. I bleed red, white, and blue, and orange. (laughs) But when I'm not bleeding red, white, and blue, or orange... I'm bleeding heavenly colors because I love my country. I love my state. I love my schools. I love a lot of things, but I love nothing on this earth, including my own life, like I love that kingdom that I'm going to spend eternity in and the person who made my way for that. If we are going to be expatriates of the kingdom of God, we've got to be acclimated to this strange world. But it is going to be strange. We're going to pray for things, and we're going to believe things that we're not going to see happen, just like Abraham. I mean, what a trip. (laughs) Abraham? Abram? It was Abram then. You and Sarah are going to have children. That caused a joke, because they were so old, it was not possible. You're going to leave from this place, you're going to leave from your homeland, and they went. You're going to have children, and they laughed, and they did. It was impossible, but the possible happened. But they waited a long time after they were told they were going to have that child before that child ever arrived. And then when the child was 12, God required him to take that object, that person, which was a sign of his covenant, and take it up on the mountain of sacrifice. And the lame upon the altar. I know a lot of people do, really don't like that passage of scripture. I've had people say, don't read that. Don't preach that. I don't believe that. Well, I'm sorry, but the scriptures are clear that's what he did. He was willing to sacrifice his only son of promise if that's what God told him to do. at the last minute when God saw his heart and saw that he would not withhold anything from him, even his own child, then God provided a lamb for the sacrifice. And God knew that Abram was Abraham, the father of his people. And even though he promised him many, many endless descendants, Abraham never saw them. That's why you're still here, many of you. Be clear about that. When you came here years ago, you thought and you believed that you were promised a thriving and growing school and church, right? Is that right? If that's right, say yes. Is that all of you that were here then? Because I believe that's what God promised you. Now You don't see them yet, but that does not mean that they're not on the way. What it does mean is that we are called to exercise our faith in the things unseen because we are convinced that God is going to make use of our talents and our times to grow this part of the body of Christ, both school and church, into the body that Christ intended. Period. And we are not through with that task. We're not. And what does that mean? it means that we're going to have to be willing to live in this world with a kind of what one preacher once told me he described as reckless abandon. I'm going to call it as adventurous obedience. Of adventurous obedience, reckless abandon, abandonment means we're going to not be so worried about this earthly existence because after all, we've had most of it already. I'm looking out over there most of you are like me. We're on the downside. If you haven't figured that out yet, you are. You're on the down high, downside. Uh, a little boy asked me if I was uh, about to die. I don't think I'm about to die, but I'm a whole lot closer than I was several years ago. I can guarantee you that. I'm a lot closer to dying than I am to being born, except when I die, I'm really going to be born because I'm really going to go somewhere where I'm never going to die again. I'm going to go somewhere where I never sit out and dance. I'll dance every dance once I'm in heaven. I will not feel the need to sit down, and I will not have to worry about the steps or anything like that. I'll have all the moves, just like Jonathan. I'll be ready to go, you know. I'll have it down. I am not worried about when that day comes. Now, I'm not, despite what my family thinks every time I eat a donut, I am not trying to hasten my departure. But I am trying to make sure that I enjoy my obedience while I'm here, and God just commands me to eat a lot of donuts. I don't know why that is. yeah I know you can convince yourself of almost anything right (laughs) almost anything but we must be ready now to proclaim the coming of God's kingdom our midst by living a little recklessly by willing to throw all of what we have onto the pile now some of you go man I've done that for years here we just still we're still not there and you're not through giving yet God wants your time, and I'm going to be asking you for it. God wants your skills, and I'm going to be asking you for it. God wants your money, a lot more of it than you're planning on giving, and I'm going to be asking you for it. Because we are not through with what God called you to do here. I'm convinced of that. So we're going to begin to live with a little more abandonment here. We're also going to be living with a constant awareness of where most of our life is going to be spent. That's why you don't need to hold on to these earthly things nearly as tightly as you think, because it's about over. I need to tell some of you 17-year-olds that. It's about over. And you're going, what? I'm 17? What do you mean it's about over? Before you know it, you won't be 17. Trust me. Been there. I remember I thought, it took forever for me to get from 6 to 16. It took... Half again is forever for me to get to 21. And I got to 61 from 21 faster than I could ever have imagined it. So let, trust me, it's almost over, even though you're still young. It's almost over. In the whole scope of things, life here goes by just like that. And then you're gone. But you're going somewhere. And you need to know that that's your best homeland security. It's where your homeland is, is in heaven, not here. We need to live that way. That's why we need to have funerals that way. We need to be like the household was at the Robertsons. When someone's going home, even if it seems ill time, even if it seems too early, they were rejoicing and ready for Jesus to come and take Christ to heaven. They didn't need somebody telling them, you got to let him go. They've been letting him go for weeks. They knew that his healing was in heaven. That's the way Christians live. When they get here to worship and celebrate his life, worshiping the Lord, they're not going to come here all sad and mouthed down like Price has died. Price hadn't died. He's moved. He's moved back to his homeland. Goodness gracious. What's there to be sad about? You want to hang around here with cancer? Heavens, no. I mean, you could be playing six-man football if you don't watch it. You know, it could be tough. It can be really rough here. But it's not going to be rough in that other land. It's not going to be. And you're going to be there a lot longer than you ever were here. So if you're so worried about what's going on here, give yourself a break. This is a vacation. It doesn't last all that long. Finally, and it is finally. What time is it? Okay. I'm going to be 15 minutes better anyway. We need to live in an unafraid and unashamed way to show our passport. I'm not talking about the one that lets you go to Mexico or the Caribbean islands or Europe. I'm talking about the one that says, I have a passport to heaven. Whatever goes on here. Whatever goes on with my family. Whatever trials and troubles we face, I have a passport stamped good. When my time on earth is finished, whenever that time is, I am going straight to my homeland. To where everything will seem right because everything will be right. And my faith that I've been struggling to maintain at times when it didn't seem like I could see any of what God was doing will be realized in one fell swoop. So I'm going to stop now. Faith is a great connector. It is that part of you that says to the people in eternity that I'm done here. I'm coming home. And until that time comes to go home, your faith is what you keep exercising. Can you do that? Are you willing to believe in things you don't see? Are you willing to be the foreigner in a strange land who's living for his homeland instead of for his retirement plan? Or are you willing to pray? And then are you willing to say, Lord, send me to do whatever it needs to do. Send me to clean out the 15 acres back in the back. Send me to write the check to underwrite some part of the budget here or at the school. My kids have all grown from school. Let me send somebody else's kids to CCA. Let me be a difference maker and join God in working for the things that are not yet seen. I have no idea what these who are going off to college are going to be doing. I know about everything that they're going to be asked to do. i got a long memory. You need to practice saying no. You do. Yeah, I know I'm out of the light now. I was told, remember David told me, when I get this far, I'm out of the light. I don't care about being in the light anyway, really. But I do care about this. Every one of you seniors that's about to go back to school are returning college students. Take your passport with you. Don't leave it in your dresser at home. When you go wherever you're going, be a Christian. Will it be hard? Yes. Will you probably stumble a time or two? Maybe just don't tell your mom or daddy. <laughs> call Doug or call J D. Tell us if you've been a bad person and we'll tell all your parents that they're doing fine. <laughs> and we'll pray for you. And we'll encourage you to stand strong. Because other people will be watching. You may think you're the only one, but you're not. Find the people who are showing their passport. For the rest of you, stay by your phones. I'm going to be calling. If it's not me, then J.D.'s going to be calling. If it's not J.D., then Brad, who is in Texas, getting his house straightened up, is going to be calling. He'll be joining the youth this Wednesday. The team will be assembled in its finality for a while, we think, although you just never know, do you? Are you ready? Because the fun is, tends to turn into work. It's been fun so far. Father God, we love the fun times. We love it when we soar like eagles and when you bless everything we touch. We love it when our eyes can behold the things that are happening. And Lord, sometimes when we can't see what faith is requiring us to see in our minds and with our hearts, our steps sometimes can falter. So strengthen us so that we might see the unseen with the eyes of heaven as we seek to continue following you in faith. For that is a prayer for us all today and always in Christ's name.